Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex, or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist, sex and intimacy coach, and a gender, sex, and relationship diversity therapist. And I am working my way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. I created this podcast to help you learn to express your desires, learn more about desires, spice up your relationships, and create those sizzling relationships that you have always wanted. I do this through solid science, real-life stories, and conversations with an exciting array of experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies that will help you choose the relationship style that works best for you and create exactly what you want and need. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and you can take advantage of the subscriber bonuses. And if you want to know more, head over to DrLaurieBethBisbee.com and sign up for my email list so that you can find out exactly what is going on in my world from week to week. But for now, come join me and enter my world of sex and relationships. See you inside. Hey everyone, welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a psychologist and accredited advanced gender, sex and relationship diversity therapist coach specializing in sex and intimacy. And I have been working with people for the past 35 years, helping them to create and maintain sizzling relationships without shame. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet, one letter at a time. And today the letter is P and P is for perimenopause. Joining me today is my sister, Kiana Green. Kiana Green's known in the leather community as Mrs. Blue Frost. She's a professional life coach, content creator, holistic healer, path facilitator, and all-round passion professional. She served as the Northeast Regional Representative for people living in authority transfer relationships, going on to serve as the international representative in 2018. She serves on the board and staff of an international special interest conference held in Washington, D.C. each year. She's been active in our local community for over a decade as she enjoys sharing life choice experiences and information with others. She routinely speaks at national conferences for special interest groups to help further educate and empower people looking to live in healthy, sustainable power exchange relationships free of judgment and justification through surrender, service, and self-development. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So, um... We're going to talk about perimenopause today. And I think that's the perfect reason why you have me here, since that is the stage of my life that I currently live. So let's start with that. So you are how old? I am in my 46th year of life. And I have begun the process of moving through a rite of passage called perimenopause. And this is one of those things that no matter how hard I tried, I could not stop it from happening. Truth, <laughs> right there. So for people who don't know, um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna preface this by saying, it, to me, it's amazing 
how much information is not easily available to women. And um, also how frequently biased the information is and how difficult it is for people to get a hold of it. There aren't a lot of spaces where women are made comfortable to talk about this transition. And it's a major league transition that you don't get away from, period. Absolutely. No matter what your life choices are, um, if you have female anatomy, you were born with female anatomy, you will go through this transition at some point during your life. Um, in this case, we're talking about perimenopause, but some people go through um, menopause because of surgery and for other reasons sure. um, and go through it early. But perimenopause is the stage just before full menopause and usually starts somewhere in the beginning to mid forties. Average age, by the way, for menopause is 51. Yeah. So again, like for me, just turning 46, I would have never thought that that was the stage of life that I'm in. So I'm one of these people who spent a lot of time thinking about focusing on and trying to figure out how to change my menstruation cycle. I have been doing this <laughs> particular thing since I was probably 16 years old. What I mean by that is hey, you know, you get your cycle. It's not completely regular. You don't know when it's going to be. You don't want to, you know, have those embarrassing moments. So you get on birth control, right? To regulate a cycle. Then after a while, you're like, oh, then this is me. Uh, my personal experience after a while, I didn't want to do that anymore. So then I went on several other types of different forms of birth control that would even lighten the period, lessen the period. And then for me, altogether stop the period. That was for me, I wanted to not have it. So those things I was able to accomplish, but I still can't get away from this perimenopause. And that's the thing. I mean, so, you know, this is inevitable that we will go through a transition from being fertile yes. to no longer being fertile. And that's what this trans in its most basic sense, mm -hmm. that is what this transition is all about. People Absolutely. forget because we focus on all the symptoms of the transition. Right. But it is what it's all about. What it is about is, you know, we start out, we're in, we're not yet fertile or fully fertile. I mean, we are, right. we have all our eggs when we're born. So yes, we are, <laughs> but we're not yet actively fully fertile, capable of carrying a baby. We go through puberty and that is the transition into fertility. And then, um, and not, but not for all. I mean, some people make that transition and still are unable to have a baby for a variety of reasons. So they wouldn't be seen as fertile, but their body is, is at that stage of maturity. Right. And it's the transition out of that stage of maturity, which is menopause, which is when, you know, you are no longer able to have a baby. You have no eggs left. Right. What comes with that is the change in hormones. And that's the thing that really causes us all the symptoms. Right. But again, like you said, when you really think of the simple biology of it, it's moving to a transitioning to a place where you're no longer able to conceive children, to have them. And that is where I've wanted to be my entire life. <laughs> Imagine. And I always find it so interesting because, you know, because so, so much of, um, for so many women, so much of fertility years is about um, the prevention of pregnancy. 
Yes. Right. And, um, and, and some people do like you wanted to st- want to stop their cycles. Other people find that messing with that can cause problems. Sure. Um, I, it, you know, I experienced um, once I'd had my son, um, the birth control that I chose was um, the Mirena coil. So it was the IUD with progesterone. Um, and it was quite deliberate because it was important that I didn't get pregnant because my health was such, my autoimmune disease was such that they felt that it would not be a good thing for me, that it would be potentially dangerous for me. So that was an issue. It was very important that I didn't get pregnant. And this was the um, least likely to have the least negative impact on my biology and the most success at keeping me from becoming pregnant. Um, And I remember that, that the first six months on that, all I did was bleed. It was a nightmare. And I remember saying to the doctor, you know, how much longer do I give this before I tell you I'm absolutely unwilling to do this? Yes. Um, At which point I stopped. And then I didn't, then I stopped completely, which was not unusual. And I would get an occasional spotting, which was shocking. Right. So for me, when I, when I started perimenopause, it was really hard to know that that's what was going on. And it was really hard to know that, um, that I'd actually completed menopause and I hadn't even realized that. Right. Um, Because usually the definition of completing menopause is no period for a year, but I'd had no period for more than a year with the, with the coil, but I didn't know where I was because I chose to keep the coil even after that, because um, for the hormonal input. Right. At that point. Yes. And so I think that's part of um, the, the myth or the mystery rather surrounding uh, perimenopause, right? Because we think, or at least we were told, you know, you, you, you have menstruation and then you have menopause, which is the stopping of the cycle. So they now talk about the extreme transitional stage of coming from, you know, fertility to non-fertility. And that it seems like where it should be the most conversation because that actually lasts the longest amount of time, a longer amount of time than I was anticipating. I thought that much like a period, it begins out of nowhere and it begins, it regulates. And then there, you know, it's, it's, it's there. So I thought, oh, it's going to sort of be like that. Maybe a year, maybe a year and a half, you know, before things settle down. Absolutely not. And And so for something to be a stage that could be as long as 10 years, I wonder why there isn't more information out there, good information on what it is, how it works and things that women can do to gain the types of support that they need during that time. I I mean, it's amazing to me because it, I mean, not only can it last more than 10 years, but you know, people think, oh, now you're through menopause and it's great and it's wonderful and you're done. And the symptoms are gone, but that's not necessarily true. Um, You know, there are some women who never stop having hot flashes, for example. My mom's in her 80s, still has occasional hot flashes. Oh, my. Yeah. Because that's something to look forward to. Yeah, no, so it runs in families. It runs in families. And so for me, part of me having hormone treatment is about, I can't live with that. Mm. And so... For somebody who's not had a hot flash, you should understand that we're not talking about getting a little bit warm. Ooh, ooh, 
Oh, I'm raising my hand. Can I explain? Can I explain? No, go for it. <laughs> All right. So I let me talk to you. I'm speaking from my lived experience, but I'm so this is not scientific. The doctor can speak more about that later. But this is roughly what it's like. It's like when you boil water in a kettle and the kettle starts, the steam starts to come and it starts to sing. It's just like that. You're you're boiling from the inside. It's not in, it's not outside forces that's causing you to be warm. It's something in the inside that's bubbling up, sort of like, let's call it hot magma. And what happens with hot magma is you, it's got to expel, that's volcanoes, that's how it erupts. And that is a hot flash that just creeps up over your body and is going to do a couple of things. Now for me, I'm lucky. When I get a hot flash, I either pass out or vomit. I'm lucky, apparently. <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky, right? Because at least I feel it coming. I, I, I now know the symptoms and the signs of what that is. And I also know that if I catch it fast enough, I can at least stop the two eventual things from happening from either, but one of the two may happen. So imagine for 10 years of your life, that you may get a hot flash at any time because they're not predictable, as, as predictable as, as you would think. Uh, there are certain times where you can see it coming, but not others. And having to work with, with that for a decade, going to work, raising a family, yep. being in relationship with all types of the people that are in your life and dealing with that one, because we're just talking about one. That's symptom. one symptom. <laughs> you know, and the thing about hot flashes is, is, it, is that for many people, they're worse at the beginning, um, or they might be at a certain level at perimenopause. At, many at menopause, they get quite intense, and, the, and then they get less, and they still have them. Um, for me, one of the worst things with hot flashes um, was um, that they will wake me up at night. Mm. Yes. You wake up, and everything is soaked. Everything. Um, you've, you've got the covers on, the covers off, the covers on, the covers off. Um, I learned that overheating could bring a hot flash mm -hmm. so that it was really important to me to not be in a situation where I might overheat. Yes. Because yes. unlike just feeling like I'm a little warm and you can take mm -hmm. off one layer, I would then be drenched from head to toe and I'd be stripping layers off left, right and center and I still couldn't cool down. And then and, and for that, for, for many women, the part of it that's most distressing is you can't you can't get cool. You can't figure out how to how to stop that that yeah. feeling yep. um, until it stops. And for some women, that's relatively quickly. And for other women, they'll feel that horrible overheated feeling for quite a period of time before it finally dies down. And there yeah. are people like you who vomit, pass out. Um, I, I, I used to, to drench everything and. Um, and just be over absolutely overwhelmed with the sensation. Mm, um, yes. I found it impossible. My first really intense hot flash was actually at a conference I was at. And um, I, I went right through my clothing, like in, so I was wearing businessy clothing. Sure. And it was the woman next to me who told me what was going on because I was completely overwhelmed. I had no idea what was happening. You know, it was just like, what right what the, fuck, what the fuck is this um and then i you know i didn't have other clothing with me so now right. i had 
you know, wet stains on my clothing. So one of the things that you learn when you're going through this period is to dress in layers. The reason you dress in layers is that you can peel things off as you go and then put things back on as you start to cool because then you start to get very cold. Um, But also that you have spare clothing with you. Imagine. You know, and you're not, it's not like when with during the period days where the spare clothing is just underwear, underwear right? right? No, this is like spare fucking outfits, right? Sure. Um, you start dressing in ways that um, in, in light fabric, mm-hmm. in layers, but in light fabric, um, um, things like um, artificial fibers are not your friends. Oh, no. You know? And I carry a fan down at everywhere. Everywhere. That's everywhere. how you know it's the auntie brigade. I swear <laughs> to God. Everywhere That's I go. No, there's a fan. I there must are fans on fan. my desk. Yes. There are fans on my, there are fans in every room of the house. And it doesn't matter if it's the dead of winter. Like it's got nothing to do with the the temperature outside. outside. Yes. Completely internal. But I mean, for many years, people have looked at me and I've been out, I post-menopausal for quite a number of years now. Um, But I still have trouble with temperature regulation. And for many years, people be, I'll be in conference with somebody and there's a, a, a fan next to my desk and the fan will go on. If I'm not doing this, I've got the fan going on. People are like, yeah. isn't it, you know, zero degrees outside? I'm like, yeah. It may be. <laughs> that has nothing to do with what's going on for me Absolutely right now. Not. So it's stuff like that. But then, I mean, that's a symptom that people recognize and they acknowledge and they know about. But there are lots of things that people are unaware or don't really kind of get that are part of their transition. The transition so things yes. like um foggy brain yes yes we talk about work performance and this is one of the things that in my um professional business as a coach lots of women in this age group are coming because they're feeling like something is off something is and something is off your brain doesn't function the way that it used to or as quickly Sometimes you find yourself um, in places and having feelings that you didn't have before. Like anxiety tends to be something that shows up that wasn't there in the past and it's affecting their performances wherever, at work, with relationships, with you know spouses, with children, with family. And those are the places where we don't talk about it as much as how these things, these symptoms actually show up and affect your entire life. Yeah, and the thing is, is that if you're able to talk about it and able to look at it and you understand where it's coming from, there's a lot that you can do. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more that you can do than you might think. But when you are unaware because nobody's talking about it, it, it's it's actually quite frightening. And people, when they have, um, particularly when you have an emotional experience that you cannot figure out where the emotion's coming from, we'll look to assign it to something. Yes. Right. So if somebody's anxious, they'll look for the cause of that anxiety. Mm -hmm. They can't just be anxious without it having a cause. They will assume that something or someone in the environment is cause is causal. Yes. And because they don't know that this is a very common symptom of perimenopause. Problems are created that otherwise wouldn't be created because they're busy assigning this cause. Yes. 
Um, It's actually quite relieving when you know that that's what's going on, even though it's difficult to deal with. It's it's a relief because you know that you're not you haven't developed some fatal illness. Um, Right. All your relationships have not gone to shit all of a sudden. sudden. You know, your partner's not cheating all of a sudden, you know, things that people sort of reaching out, looking for what the cause is. Yes. Yes. And the other thing is that when you present at medical doctors, you get really varied responses. And, And depending on how astute the medical doctor is to this time of life for women, Yes. Nobody picks it up. Um, mm-hmm. The number of, of times people will send a woman away with a there, there, honey, it's a you uh-huh. know, big deal. Or you're too young for menopause. Yes. Yes. You're too young to be going through this. So it must be something else. Something else. Right. Right. And, and it, the thing where it's like they, they will tell you and still won't do any of the things you ask, because for my personal experience, I was like, something isn't isn't right. What else could it possibly be going on for me in my life right now? All other things are going well. What you know, the eventuality that it could be perimenop- the beginning of perimenopause is great. And the doctor that I had would not even do the bloods work for it, but just completely dismissed it. And so the, what I had to go through to even find a doctor who was even ready to say, oh, let me take these, you know, tests. I, I have to say at that point, I, I really went to seek out a woman physician because I felt as though that would be the best course of action. At least they would have some understanding, you know, at least Maybe. do the tests. No, at Maybe. least do the tests. Which yeah. was, I was thankful that, that the physician that I acquired next, she at least did the, the test. However, when it came back, she was literally shocked at the time to say, oh, I didn't even realize how off your hormonal hormones were, but it wasn't enough at the time to say that it was perimenopausal, right? But enough to say that there's something going on here, right? Now, since then, I've had to engage a new physician because again, once they feel like they've diagnosed you with something, they leave it, it, it's been left there as if to say, okay, well, you have a slight hormonal imbalance. That doesn't mean you started perimenopause. Well, how do we know? We have to do another set of series And the reality is we don't know. I mean, that's a lot of right. bullshit because there, there isn't a specific cutoff for this. Right. Um, that part. Unfortunately, my experience has been women doctors have been far worse. I actually- That's unfortunate. I've had the best on this issue, on this issue, I've had the mm-hmm. best response from a, an amazing male gynecologist um, who was like, okay, this is what's going on in your body. Um, this is what, um, you know, this, and I ended up having a hysterectomy. So I, um, I had really bad fibroids. Got it. Like bad enough. So I actually looked incredibly pregnant. I mean, mm. it, it was, um, and my female doctor like poo-pooed it for the longest time. And finally I said, well, you know, I've got all these symptoms. What are we doing about this? Um, and I went and saw somebody and he was like, yeah, you need, you need these out. Um, but by that point they were too big to be just taken out and preserve the womb. So I had to have everything. Um, and this particular, not the good male gynecologist <laughs> make distinctions, this particular gynecologist felt that my ovaries needed to come out. And the reason that my ovaries needed to come out 
was that um, with the autoimmune disease and things that I have, and I had a history of ovarian cysts, they were concerned that I might end up with ovarian cancer. So they just, mm. he felt, and he talked me into having everything taken out. Now I was postmenopausal at that point. And this came about because I had a postmenopausal bleed, which freaks everybody out. If you bleed when you've been through menopause, everybody thinks you have cancer. So the whole world immediately takes you seriously. But I've been complaining for well over a year that there was something wrong and nobody was paying any attention. So when I finally, after the hysterectomy, um, the discussion of hormone replacement was crazy. I had already done some hormone replacement for mm -hmm. menopause. And I was like, well, now I've got no ovaries. So no, I have no hormones being pumped out. Right. Now, many women don't know that we also have testosterone, that we also yes. produce testosterone. What many women also don't know is that menopause does not mean your hormones stop. Right. Menopause means that the production of all of these hormones decreases. decreases. Vastly. Yes. But you continue to put hormones out via your ovaries for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. The difference between having even a small amount and nothing in terms of quality of life is huge. It's drastic. Yes. Yes. Fatigue, libido, no libido, uh, dryness everywhere, um, anywhere there's a mucous membrane. So that means your eyes, your mouth, everywhere. Um, inelasticity of your tissues, you know, so the collagen loss drastically increases and the inelasticity of your tissues. And that means also, it, right, like everywhere, and right, and tendons, and right. So, um, foggy brain, headaches, emotional things like anxiety, sometimes depression, weight gain, weight gain, weight loss, doing nothing, nothing, no change in diet, no change in exercise, in exercise right? Weight gain in a, in, in a strange place too, because it comes in the stomach. You may never have had weight in your stomach. Suddenly you have weight in your belly. Right. Um, cholesterol rises for no apparent reason. Again, no dietary changes. So all of these things, it's drastic changes to your body that if you replace none of it, quality of life is, is it's very low. Yes. It's awful. Very low. So it, it really is a conversation about what, what are we going to do? How are we going to bring the hormonal level to a place that allows a woman to have a good quality of life? Yes. Yes. And there's still a huge amount of resistance around this. Um, you know, I'm sure any woman who's ever spoken to a doctor about hormone replacement has been told about the increased risks of breast cancer. And heart disease. And heart disease. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and actual fact, it's protective for heart disease, but in, mm -hmm. cer in certain circumstances. Right. It, because these are nuanced things. One of the That's what we want to get to, right? Is that these, what, what we go through is a, the, the, the big picture is perimenopause, but each one of us genetically, we are all different. We're all super unique. And so 
it's not going to go. There is no textbook way for it to go. Absolutely not. So you have to know yourself, know your body, know what it is that's different about it. Learning to embrace those things, right? Like for just now, I, I, I thank you. I thank you for giving that experience, your experience of, of what's going on. Part of the reason why we're here is to me giving my experience is because people don't talk about it. No. Women don't talk about it. We don't find either they don't find it safe enough to have these conversations. There's a lot of shame surrounding, you know, women who have had their womb removed for whatever reason or purpose. Um, there's a lot of people who don't want to have the conversations. They don't want to talk about it. And because of that, and that's all well, that's their own privacy. But because of that, there is a lot of information lost. There's yep. a lot of support lost. Absolutely. There's a lot of things that if you cannot bring it upon yourself to, to, to contact one other person or have any type of support system, how lonely going through this process is and can feel compounded with the symptoms that you're experiencing. Yep. And then, and then when you go and seek medical help out, a lot of the time you get brushed off or, yes. you know, this is a, I remember being told this is a part of life, you, a transition you just have to learn to deal with. Deal with it. Mm -hmm. I changed doctors the next day. Yep. <laughs> it's like, we, we don't say that to men, men, men who suddenly are not having erections, men who can't have ejaculations. They fix so, it. it they, you know, they <laughs> test they test their testosterone immediately. They give them testosterone. They don't talk about side effects. They don't they, they don't give a shit. They they fix that. Nobody suggests that they should live with that. Right. Nobody okay. suggests that they should live with that. Women who come in and say, I don't have libido anymore, or sex has just suddenly gotten painful. Painful. Mm -hmm. uh, and sex got painful. The response to that is um lubrication. No, no, no. I've got plenty of lubrication. That's not the problem. Yep. You know, and, and I just brushed off, brushed off. And one of the, one of the things, one of the symptoms that many women get, and it's got to do with the elasticity of their tissues is sex. Anything penetrative can start to feel like razor blades. Mm. Yes. I said, yeah. razor blades. Understand yeah. what that take a pause. Can you imagine having razor blades inside yes. the body during an experience that should be pleasurable. Exactly. And so the first thing people will say is, oh, well, you need lubrication. That's, it's not that. That's not one that. set of experiences. Yes. Some people, yes. some people get this handled simply by lubrication, but they're not experiencing razor blades. Razor blades. This, this is a very, this is a very particular type of pain. And it is about um, the, the loss of estrogen. Mm -hmm. Now there's actually ways to start fixing that. And one of them is internal estrogen. Yep. Which has um, very few side effects because it's not, it's not entering into the bloodstream. It's, it's, it's being in the same way. It's, it's not systemic, it's localized treatment. Um, but you won't find out about that unless you are comfortable enough to tell somebody that this is what you're this experiencing. What's going on. And unless the doctor you're talking to, if you do go to a doctor you're talking to, will be, is, is clued into this so they can suggest it. And that's right. a hit, that's hit and miss, right? For sure. 
that is hit and miss. We do we the thing about uh, uh, humans is we do a thing where you things are the same is, or have something in common, so you think is is absolutely the same across the board, and it is not. Physicians education is not the same across the board. Physicians experience is not the same across the board. So therefore you, it is incumbent upon you because you are the person, all of this going on with you is what's staying the same. It's for you to make sure that you get, that you contract a physician that is willing to believe you, to believe you. And then that's the beginning of it. And then hoping that they have the expertise and the, you know, the experience and the education to be able to either treat you or give you some, give you some types of recommendations or at least move you along to someone who may be able to help. And part of the way that you can gain access to this is by talking to other people. Um, and, and that, and that's, for me, that's one of the things that um, we're really trying to encourage is safe space for women to talk about these physiological changes and the impact of them on the rest of our lives. Hormones yes. impact your emotions. Yep, which impacts every relationship that you have, that you have. And those are the things that we, one, we understand how much support actually helps. Now you can choose to, to um, medicate or to, to take care of it in any way you want. People do herbs that helps them tremendously. People do medica uh, medications, people do meditations, whatever it is that you choose. What we want is to be able to have a space where women can talk about what their experiences have been, what they've done, and you can get some type of perspective and maybe even find that some of those things may work for you. They may have different, uh, listen, if uh, the doctor that you had that was willing to, you know, understand you and go the distance, that's a referral that would be priceless in a group of women who are not having good experiences with a doctor. And also, you know, there's a, there's a lot of spaces in which people are shamed for the choices that they make, yes. you know, so like, so like in the natural health space, somebody mm -hmm. decides that they want, um, to go the route of, of hormone replacement right. can be shamed about it. You know, there's right. all, well, you need to be natural and embrace the change in life. And somebody who yeah. is trying to, um, to, you can't slow aging. Nope. It, 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 it's inexorable. It's you, can, you can slow, you can slow the signs of aging. You can slow the results of aging, but you can't slow aging, but you shouldn't be shamed for, not wanting to um, do everything totally naturally. Natural. Um, yes. And, and yes. also you shouldn't be shamed if you want if to you do, do everything totally naturally. Exactly. It, it, it's about being able to, to see what the range of options we have and support people in their choices. Yes, yes. And that is basically what we found was missing. Now, thankfully, you know, you and I have forged a bond that, you know, we talk about everything yeah. and you were willing to share your experience with me because I was going out of my mind and was willing to tell you, oh my goodness, this is, this, this is yeah. what's going on. This isn't, this isn't normal. Yeah. Right. And so if you don't have a space where you can do that, what do you do? And a lot of people turn to the internet and that's that's one thing, right? 
uh, but it's hard to gain that safety, you know, a safe space where there's a group of people who is willing to understand you. That's what they, they're there for. They want to understand you. I think the issue with just turning to the internet in general is how much bad information there is out there. Um, that, yes. Um, the, the, you can get great information off the internet, but you also have, you have to understand, you have to have media literacy. You have to understand yes. how to parse the inter information that you get. Um, and so, you know, with you, both of us being coaches, our desire has been to create a safe space to explore these life transitions, because these are, these physical transitions are going to happen, whether we want them to or not. Yep. And we have no control over when they happen. That's right. And part of what really, um, I think, traumatizes women is the, the out of controlness of it. Yeah. Your body feels like something that should be in your control. Yeah. You know, and I think for some people, the first time they discover that their body isn't in their control is at puberty. Right. Yes. Another time, if you if you have decided to have a child, I have never felt more out of control of my body um, than I did when I was pregnant. Yes, you know? confirmed, same. <laughs> and I remember people saying to me, oh, it's a natural process. And I remember shouting, there's nothing natural about this. <laughs> there's nothing natural about this. There's an alien growing inside me. This yes. does not feel natural, right? I don't know what you mean by natural, but this does not feel like nat a natural process to me. Um, and so you're really made aware at the, when you're, so at these points um, of, of biological transition is actually when you're made aware of how little control you have over your body, right? It's, it's an illusion that we have, that we have control over our bodies. Um, and our hormones really dictate an awful lot. And I've talked about that before. I've talked about, you know, when you're coming to the end of your fertile life, um, is the real danger point for accidental pregnancies. Yes. And yes. bad relationship choices and really mm. bad relationship choices because your body decides that you should be reproducing. That you should be doing something. And I mean and I mean it when I say it that way. Oh, yes. Because there's no thought and no consciousness involved in oh, that. Yes. It, is a, it becomes a biological imperative. And I don't think we pay enough attention to that. You know, we, we kind of try and pretend that we have all this control mm -hmm. when, when actually there are lots of areas where we don't. Um, so as a result of this, one of the things that we recently decided to do was to start a six month group for women where they can gain support around these biological life transitions. Yes and all the chaos that they can cause in our lives. And it's specifically around these rites of passage. Right, yeah. That are precipitated by our bodies. Yes, because this was where we gain the most, uh, where again, like you said, it's, it's a lot of it is non-consensual, right? And a lot of it is where shame has been placed over the years and where you just don't want to be seen as, different, difficult, you know, any of those things. So you try to pack it all inside. And so it causes, you know, lots of, lots of things to be harder than they need to be. Absolutely. That a support group 
of people who were there, who are there, you know, to, to help you through it, to, to identify with you, to say, yeah, no, you're not insane, <laughs> right? And a, a place where it can, you can also bounce an idea. You're like, hey, you know, what do you, what do you think about this? In a safe environment where you don't have to feel as if you'll be attacked for your personal feelings and thoughts on what's going on with your biology. Yeah, and 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 really the emphasis being on lived experience and on being able to grow through this so yes. that you know the places where we can have control. Yes. We can put that control back in. So we're looking at the creation of rites of passage. We don't you know we don't have a lot of these anymore. We don't have a lot of them that are acknowledged. We have events that people will call rites of passage and by that I mean you know, people will say, for example, perimenopause and menopause are a rite of passage. Mm -hmm. But, and they are, they're a transition point, but a rite of passage is actually a ritual that um, celebrates and facilitates the transition. Yes. And usually provides you with some information that you need to move from the one state to the other. So it's facilitating a change of state. And that's not, you know, when you say, oh, this is a, menopause is a rite of passage. Well, menopause happens and happen. change of state happens. There's, not, yes. there's nothing in it in and of itself that facilitates that change of state. That is the, the growth work that we do. So um, we have created a space in order to do this. We're doing yes. a six month group um, on rites of passage on women's specifically rites of passage and how we can, since we are going to go through this process, how we can celebrate that, how we can move through this way and understand that not only is it a rite of passage, it's also a privilege. Age is a privilege. It, all of us, or everyone does not get it. Yep. Uh, and so in that case, to move into these moments of our lives and to be able to embrace them in any way we choose. Yep. And we're going to look at all the rites of passage, you know, that, that we're going to look from lived experience at all of these rites of passage and look at how we can create new rites around them because so many of the ones that were in existence aren't anymore more because modern life is very different than it was 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago. I mean, modern life has changed drastically. So we're going to look at all the ways in which you can create these things. So we will have, there will be a workbook of things every month with some video and some audio that every member of the group gets to work through on their own. And then one two-hour group a month that's live live online because we're in different parts of the world, the world. Um, that's live where people get to, to talk through their own lived experience we will facilitate the group so it won't be a lecture there right. will be a short beginning just to kind of orient people to what the topic is and then that live group will be about process and allowing people to share their experiences, to ask for help, to talk about what's been going on, um, to reflect on the workbook that's already come out. So that's where you'll get the lecture because we will have already pre-recorded it. That's where you'll get yes. you know, more of our views on it and the written and all of that comes beforehand. Um, and it's a six month group. 
So we what, what we want to do, and, and the reason that is six months is because what we want to do is gain the safe space and that you get comfortable with the people in your group that you form a camaraderie that we all can be a part of. Because what I'm what we learned from this experience and the reason we call it that is because a lot of what's happening for you today with your cycles and the things that you go through literally began before you started thinking about it. Yep. And so how your some of the feelings that you may have right now is tangled up in feelings that you may have had, you know, in the past and pubescent stages and things that have happened during your lived experience. And so with that, that is basically the two hours um, group time that we have together where we can actually speak and connect with each and every group member. And then ideally that gives people the opportunity to form some personal bonds that they will take outside of the group. Some people will want to go on and do more group work. Other people will want to go on and do individual work and other people will just create those support bonds that they take out into their own communities um, so that we start living more um, in this kind of supportive non-censoring way. What's yes. really important for both of us is that we notice that a lot of spaces have become um, ones in where there's lots of intellectual debate that goes on. And um, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for a place where people can present their own lived experiences without having to defend their viewpoints their choices. and their right. choices. That they're, they're going to... Your, your lived experience is your lived experience. And some people will have similarities with you. And, you know, people can be supportive. People might be able to tell you what they went through, but that right. you're not going to be arguing about um, terminology or about um, whether your choices were valid. Right. Correct. And so we want to invite all who would, you know, who are interested uh, in this. This is something that we will begin, interestingly enough, but not totally intentional on March 1st, which is the celebration of women. March in the US, and I think in World Women's Day is also, Girls' Day is also in that month, is that we are celebrating. This is not something that we are going to be gloom and doom the entire support. Oh my gosh, I'm having hot flashes and I'm having it. Yes, we will talk about those things, but it's definitely a place where we want to learn to celebrate all of what our bodies are capable of doing, what it was capable of doing and what it will be able to take us to in the future. Because that is what this is about. We only live in this one body. Yeah. And so we, you know, we want to, to know how to take care of it moving into the future because we are living longer than people have ever lived before in the past. And we want to do that and have a great quality of life. Absolutely. So if this is something you're interested in, um, you can email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com. You can hit either of us up um, at DMs on Instagram. Mine is at Dr. Bisbee and yours is? At Mrs. Blue Frost. I can um, also be emailed at uh, bluefrost at gmail.com. But all of that information, if you hit us in a DM, we will make sure that you get all of the information for this group. And we're starting with um, the creation of a safe space. 
Um, yes. So we're going to start with the first month is all about how do you create safety? How do you create a safe space? What makes a sacred space? Yes. Um, this is a charged for group. We are, we have made it accessible. We're hoping to most, but there is a financial outlay for this. Yep. Um, we're in an early bird period and um, that will continue um, for the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, yep. And so any prices you see right now are early bird prices. They'll be marked as early bird prices. Um, and we go up from here, but we start March 1. So right. please, if you are interested, please, please, please hit us in our DM so that we can get the content out to you so that you will know when our live sessions are. You can get your welcome package and be ready to get your first monthly guide on the first day of Women's Month, which is March 1st. Absolutely. So thank you all for listening yet again. Thank you, Frost, for joining. Listen, thanks for giving me a chance to talk about this. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, and... Um, Kiana will be coming back to talk about rites of passage because we're going to do ours for rites of passage. And we're going to specifically talk about that in a few weeks time. Meanwhile, next week is Q. So in a couple of weeks time, sorry about that. I'm like, I can't even do my letters. Meanwhile, next week is Q. Um, and I hope you will tune in then. As always, I really, really, really want your feedback. Reviews are really important. If you leave a review, you will enter the um, pool for a free 30-minute session with me. I pick one person a month from the reviews left. You need to let me know you've left a review um, so that I can put your name in the kitty. So email me if you want your name put in the kitty for free 30 minutes with me. And again, if there's somebody you want to hear from or a topic you want to hear about, you can email me about that too. I take those things really seriously. Have an absolutely brilliant week and do be careful. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex or the A to Z of sex if you're in North America. If you enjoyed the show, please do leave a review wherever it was you listened to it but especially head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Reviews really help the show get out there. If you want to support my work, you can support it through my Patreon page. That's Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Patreon.com. You can also head over to DrLoriBethBisbee.com and subscribe to my free mailing list, which will keep you updated as to the activities I am getting up to and any special appearances. For people who subscribe to the Patreon, there are special broadcasts, merch, um, and the opportunity to get discounted tickets to a lot of the events that I do. Knowledge gives you power. The more you know, the better your relationships, the better your satisfaction and joy. If you've got suggestions for the show, comments or questions, do email at Beth at drlauribethbisbee.com and I will try and incorporate them. Have a wonderful week filled with loads of joy.